Good day, ball boys and girls. It seems Canadians are making waves in the European transfer market. Toronto gets their Italian order, and we have some fun with League One. So buckle up, get ready for your source of all things Canadian. Welcome, welcome, guys, to the FC13 podcast. I'm joined by your ever-lovely and ever-regular host, Paul Michael. Boys, how was your Canada today? Oh, it's really good. This is almost getting too regular now, isn't it? I think it's our third podcast in a week where I see you guys so often. I think we're just going to merge into one person at this rate. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Uh, FC-13's you know? Frankenstein monster. <laughs> that is one sexy thing you're looking at. What, yeah, what, what oh, parts yeah. are we putting where, boys? Who's getting the legs? Paul, you got sexy legs. You hike a lot. You're good. We're taking yours. Gonna quote that bit on my CV somehow. <laughs> oh, I don't know if Frankenstein Monster is really our ideal CV, but it works. So, kind of jumping into things, we changed up a little bit this week. I think we're we're really kind of taking a little bit of a deep dive into our League One counterparts where we can. First game up on our docket, we're going to be talking about the St. Catharines Roma Wolves and the Simcoe County Rovers FC. I wanted to put the full names in there because it it is a mouthful. Remember the last time we did um, a League One Canada, Andre? There was a couple of firsts. Like, first time I've seen, like, a bear paw in the middle of a field. First time I've seen someone's boot explode. I think this is the first time I've ever seen the Italian national anthem getting played in a Canadian soccer game. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I don't even nice know like, that. cultural export. Oh, yeah, they did the Italian national anthem first, and then the Canadian one. <laughs> well, I know the best part about that is Rome, the St. Catherine Roma has nothing to do with the actual Roman's club, a uh, Roma club, and yeah, you know, I looked that nothing. up. I, I thought it nothing. must have something. They just picked the name. Yeah, I think if you go to the wiki page, it says they're inspired by. I mean, it's inspired. It's the same badge. But that's okay. You can't. Well, we're gonna. I was gonna say you can't rag on them, but we're gonna rag on them in that sense. But there's a team. What? Oh God, I'm. I'm not gonna. It's a South American team. I think it's Colombia. I could be wrong. But it's called Barcelona SC, and Ecuador. it's oh, it's Ecuador. Yeah. It's the it's the exact same as Barcelona. Like it is no different. So I mean, it's a common thing. South America does it a lot. They will have they have an Arsenal. They have a Liverpool. I can tell you right now, there's no naturally occurring Liverpool in Brazil. Like that's just <laughs> not a thing. More Google Maps right now. <laughs> I actually don't know. Do, Michael. I don't know if it's named <laughs> off that town, but. I mean, the game The game ended at, like, nil one uh, Simcoe, Simcoe County ended up getting a pretty good, like, it was, it was a decent goal. But the main focus on that one, because the game was really, for me, the game I found was very physical, but wasn't as good quality. But Dino Rossi being on there was actually pretty fun. Ian, the, um, co- the, co- the commentator there have good chemistry. They bounce off each other well. It's always funny as well where um, he's asking Dino a question, and then, like, something happens, and he completely cuts him off to say, and there's a throw-in! <laughs> My favorite part was when Dino like refused to answer questions. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I'm not going to go into that right now, bud. But thanks for asking it. He did. Um, he shut him down so hard. Oh, it wasn't Bruce even Drake, like, oh, I don't think this is a good time. He's like, I'm not really going to get into this right now. And I'm like, whoa, that's awkward. He did get cut off so many times. That's all I could think about is every time he's like, Dino, so with Canada 1, what do you think? Well, you know, like, and he's got the goal! Oh, my God. Um, I thought the game was actually a pretty good game. I thought Roma deserved at least the uh, the draw. 
Um, the game, like, this was top versus bottom, right? Because uh, some are like yeah. third on the table, where St. Catherine is, I think, is third off bottom, fourth off bottom. Uh, if I didn't know that standing going into this match, um, I would definitely think they were a little bit more level. I thought Roma played a good game and deserved the draw. I think Simcoe had the best chances throughout this game, but um, there was a couple of penalty shouts for St. Catharines. There was one in particular before halftime. Oh, we don't get the benefit of the replay, but I thought that one could have been a penalty. I disagree. That commentator was screaming penalty every time someone even looked at the box the wrong way. I don't think he was a bit over the them, top, yeah. I don't think any of them was actually a penalty, but this commentator, he wanted them more than anything. I mean, shout out to their comments. Shout out to uh, Roma's attendance, though, eh? Pretty solid attendance. It was a fantastic turnout. I mean, yeah. any any League One game where you can really get like a decent crowd that you can hear them on the the uh, like over the the commentators and stuff. I think it was fantastic. And the camera, it would it, it is kind of hit and miss with these League One games. Camera sometimes like great, sometimes it's garbage. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. But it was actually. I enjoyed. I genuinely enjoyed watching this one. I thought the the production quality was a lot better, and I hope that we see that more often as the year goes on. But I don't know because I mean they did pick. It was a weird game to pick for game of the week because yeah, the it is a top versus bottom. You know when you look at the point difference between the two, like it's almost twenty points. So it was like it's what a bold made the choice. It, I, I don't think it is, though, because you want to show the stadiums and the teams that are going to bring out attendance, and they did, right? It's like when you got Game of the Match of the Week in uh, England. They usually want the, good, the stadiums to really show what they offer, right? So I feel like that's just what they're doing here. They know St. Catherine's show up, so give them Game of the Week. Yeah, you want to sell good products. When you put it that way, that's, pretty, that's a good point. Yeah. If anyone is listening and like is one of those people who really likes to just make lists, if somebody wants to make a list on what games what stadiums have been shown is that would be that would make a lot of sense if maybe they're doing it that that they want to have at least every single stadium sort of you know just show just showing off like yeah, okay, if someone could want... do work so we don't have to do work that'd be really yeah. appreciated that's that was kind of how his roundabout trying to get it but you know paul was able to get that much more directly uh, if somebody wants to just sort of do that for give, us and... give it to you straight <laughs> scott he's so bold now that he's canadian that game is that game is it was great it was it was fun to watch it's it's put like things into perspective now because Simcoe County is going to have to really keep an eye on their points if they want to win this league because there's a lot on the line now especially with you know getting access into the the Voyager's Cup and they're three only three points off from the top this is stuff that I think they're really going to have to like keep an eye on that win ratio because they're going to have to they're going to have to pump this out more Personally, because uh, I want to see, I want to see some like though, better quality it? in the Voyagers Cup. Voyager Cup goes to playoff winner, no? Or is it league like table? We did a whole special on this. You'd think I'd remember. I'm uh, pretty sure it's we'll the playoff winner next year. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? They tune in for next. We'll tune know. in for next year's podcast. <laughs> if they win both, we'll never know, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I if I'm pretty sure there's. I thought there was two slots allotted. It's. I'm getting confused now with what they said is coming up. So either way, going into it with like the top of the division, you're going to be a lot better off and you're going to have better placement within the playoffs. So they're so close that they really should just kind of, you know, think, keep that ball rolling. So we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on them. Maybe we'll retouch on them later in the year. If they show the game again, if they don't show the game again, we probably won't touch on them again, but moving on to people who we can touch and do touch regularly. Halifax Ew. and Ottawa. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Andre. <laughs> Oh, starting off strong here. Halifax and Ottawa. That game 
was not what I was expecting. That game was Halifax had Ottawa in its pocket 100% until the 67th minute, and then they didn't have anything anymore. They lost everything. I mean, Ottawa had a really, really nice second goal from uh, Acosta. But other than that, I mean, I think I think the game was pretty much back and forth. I thought it was a solid game. It's weird talking about this Ottawa-Halifax game when literally Ottawa just played Forge today, and here we are talking about Ottawa and Halifax. <laughs> the, the mind is kind of just trying to split the two games up and, like, what the hell happened in both. I believe Bassett did score in the Halifax game as well, right? No, <laughs> so, I think they gave it to Becky. Yeah. No, they, they was, thought it was confusing. They thought it was Becky, and then they took it off and they gave it back to Bassett because the ball bounced, and when it bounced, it went under uh, Basket's uh, leg. Or Oxner, which goalie was on? Oxner. It went under Oxner's leg as the ball bounced. Mm. So I don't think Becky touched it, but just when it hit the ground, I believe. I thought you're right. This was a very even game like up until like that point. If anything, I thought Halifax had more of the chances. Ottawa had a, probably the best chance just before half-time. But um, I don't think it's controversial to say that this game changed or some sort of getting sent off. And quite frankly, I completely disagree with him being sent off. I can see why the second yellow was a yellow, but I still think that was really soft. And to be frank, I think the first yellow card was ridiculous. But I feel like that's the thing that happens all the time, and that just like that's just a referee being petty. I do agree that the second yellow was a little soft, but it gets into that conversation because in this situation, it was a yellow. Soft yellow or hard yellow, it's still a yellow. The, the problem is, is you have to sit there and think, okay, he's already on a yellow. Is that worth kicking him out of the game for? It really depends how the ref wants to play the game, you know? Do we play it by the book or do we play it under circumstances? That's a that's a for sure a book. Like he just by the way the ref came up and he was like there was he knew exactly what was gonna be involved. Card was pretty much almost all the way out. It was extremely soft. Like the, and I agree with the commentator. I think my concern is I don't know if he deserved the first yellow. Because that was kind of a little that was a little dicey. Like the second yellow by the book, that's a yellow. Hard to argue, you know, like, you know, he's got to play by the rules. But it was the first yellow. It's just kind of like, I, I don't fully know. I didn't rewatch it a thousand times. I don't even know exactly what he got it for. He kicked the ball away, I believe, when the whistle blew. But, like, it's not as if he booted it into the crowd. Right. But, I mean, it's about, I guess, time waste at that point, right? You're kicking the ball away, giving it, taking it away from the, the officer team to try to create a chance. I think that's where it comes down to. And again, is it's that what ball boys are for? Depends. <laughs> where they the play ball boys here. got Sam Silver sent off? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's under a, like a unsportsmanlike type thing, right? I mean, it's just something you don't do. Another thing about this game is um, we've got two contrasting sets of forms. Ottawa, they're the road warriors right now, the road kings. They love playing away from home right now, whereas Halifax... What's up, with this? What's up with the home form? I can't understand it. It does not compute with what you'd think Halifax's home form usually would be. They've not yeah. won a lot of games at home. They've only won... They've dropped points in four out of the six home games so far. Two of those wins have been against Edmonton and York. Yeah, I mean, I think that just comes out of Halifax. Uh, winning the games they're supposed to, then dropping the games they're supposed to. I think they're... Especially with Morale out of the lineup, they're having troubles at home, specifically because they're playing the better teams at home. Uh, they lost twice to Forge, you've lost Ottawa, and you, you can't argue that Halifax is up to their level, unfortunately. See, yeah. part of it is the manner for the losing to Forge, though, and like they're kind oh, yeah. of in that contentious spot for playoffs, and if you want to get into the playoffs, you've got to beat a team like Forge. 100%, but that's that's what I'm saying, is they're beating teams like York and Edmonton, where they lose to the, the better teams, you know, like, and I... In the league with only eight teams, as long as you beat the bottom teams, you should find yourself in the league roughly fourth, right? But it's a scenario of, just as Paul said, like, it's 
you look at the crowd, you look at the atmosphere, and you look at how well they're doing. That stadium's a gorgeous stadium, you know, compared it's to... It's a notoriously to some... tough place to play. Yeah, and and maybe that toughness and, like, difficulty to play is translating to Halifax players as well. Maybe they also don't like the set. Maybe the cheering's throwing them off. Maybe they should just have a really bad rainy day and see if it helps them. Like, no one's in the stands. And see if they play any better at all, because something's got to change the way that, you know, their their home form is. Well, I mean, they're scoring goals. I mean, Sam Salter's second on scoring... Uh, they're getting goals, but the, the problem, or is he third now? Actually, sorry. Well, either way, he's not playing the next couple games. Well, exactly, and that's the unfortunate part. But it, it, they really can't keep the ball out of the nets, regard, especially at home. And especially it, from it, set pieces. Yeah, it, it is becoming an issue for them, and it's hard, it's hard to say where it is. Like a couple games ago, they had Rappersat and Le Perrier out of the match. Like if they go, if, if that's the type of stuff they're gonna have to deal with, it's it's gonna be a hard season for them. It's gonna be a hard season. For any of the all CBL games kind of have a hard season. When you have such a small team roster that way, it's such a hard season because if you have a team that you just can't seem to beat, the more you lose against them, the harder it's going to be mentality for your players to kind of get over that hump. And when you're like, well, we have a small window of only a few teams, so we're going to have to play them again and again and again. I feel bad for those teams, like especially if they had like they got in the playoffs, couldn't beat this team all year. And then they have to now play them in the playoffs, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's not something we'll, – we'll have to see how it goes. We'll see how the rest of the year goes. We'll, we'll figure out with Ottawa because, I mean, it is nice to see Ottawa get that win. It's nice to see Michael happy. That brings me some joy. You know, when they were not doing too well, that was that was pretty bad. But on things not doing too well, podcast. League, <laughs> league hey, 1 we BC. Next, we win next week. We're top of the league. Just, just throw that out <laughs> Now, now you're now you're just projecting, okay? Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves and let's not hopefully jinx anything. But on things not doing too well, League One BC, we did finally, ladies and gentlemen, get to jump on and watch our first game of League One BC: Rivers FC and Victoria Highlanders on HomeTeamLive.ca. It is actually a fantastic app. We have a little bit of fun stuff for you guys. We'll, we'll kind of throw in there later. But the game ended 2-0. Rivers took away that win. Yeah, so, um, I mean, you guys, you guys can call me crazy on this one. But I am I wrong to say this was a better quality league than League 1 Ontario? From Just judging on this one match, I mean, maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But I really thought this was a better performance that we, that we have seen in League 1 Ontario this year. I think I'd want to watch a couple more games first, but these two teams aren't particularly high in the table, so this isn't a top-of-the-table clash in League 1 BC. This is more of a mid-table clash. By the way, I just want to say um, I want to want to advertise this game as a, this is a Paul Derby. Um, this was my closest This was my closest team in British Columbia versus my favourite city in British Columbia. For those who are wondering, my favorite city isn't Kamloops. It's <laughs> Victoria. It's Victoria. If, Saying if, that, like the, the, if you're wondering, this... ladies and gentlemen, we're really stretching on content sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to turn into Paul ranking BC towns as cities. Um, yeah, this was a this was a very scenic game to watch. From the Kamloops, you could see the a lot of the mountains in the back in the background, the pitch. A bit confusing to look at it at times with all those lines on yeah. it. From like I, at times, I couldn't tell where the eighteen-yard box was, but it looked very good. It was a very, it looked very striking, which I liked. It was a very good, it was like a very enjoyable game to watch. If you take away the football lines, like the American football lines, it, it's a way better look. But I swear, even when like at times of when there was a corner, the cameraman just went straight to the mountains. 
He wasn't even focusing on the corner. He was looking at the mountains. That Taken away be... by the scenic, by that scenic British interior, British Columbia. God, I knew we shouldn't have hired the bird watching guy. Damn it! Who's watching? <laughs> oh, look, there was an eagle. It's just um, from from uh, like from my. I agree. I actually agree with you, Michael, though, because I think the quality because. League One Ontario is such a... There's so many teams in League One Ontario that you're going to inevitably have bad teams and, like, just games are just going to be awful to watch. I think I think that they're going to benefit by having, like, a smaller roster, at least for now, because that game, I, like, I genuinely enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm like, I loved the way, like, the camera angles were, the quality, the highlights. It, like, it felt, like, cohesive. It just felt like when you were watching it, like, okay, cool. Like, this is just like a CPL. Like, you really couldn't, up until, like, you the, the pitch kind of always sits in your mind, which I don't know what the rest of their, their stadiums look like. It just felt like a higher quality league. Now, watch us yeah. bite our tongue on that one by just next game being awful. <laughs> There's a lot, of, um, a lot of, like, good scoring chance in this. Honestly, it's kind of like, this was this was 2-0, but, like, easily could have been going, I don't know, Four two or like two two or three three. Um, oh yeah, Rivers made a really good start, hitting the woodwork twice, I think, in the first ten minutes. And from then on, like Victoria had most of the best chances in that first half before the penalty. Yeah, and then the um, second half it gets a lot. Second half I thought was a lot more even. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought the second half was a lot more even, even affair. But like, I don't really think Victoria came all that close to scoring. If my memory serves me correctly. Yeah, no, I think it was uh, I think it was a pretty balanced game and. The second goal for Rivers was a beautiful goal as well. I'm um, so glad he scored that because he missed an absolute sitter just before <laughs> from that one-on-one. Yeah, he did. Um, and I believe it was Rivers FC. I could be I could be wrong. Maybe it was Victoria. But one of them had an international Somali player on the squad as well, um, and which I think is always something to point out on at, at a level that they're out. The fact that they are able to attract international players, it just shows that the, the quality is there. Yeah, I don't think Canlips has a big airport, so I hope it's Victoria. <laughs> I mean, sending someone from Somalia into like just most rural—I that's such a cruel. Like in Canada, like he's come winter, he's gonna freeze. Like why the hell? Canlips is, is where Rust Bros gets. Like Canlips <laughs> is where Rust Bros is set. I'm pretty sure it's that part <laughs> of the world. Uh, another thing we 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 kind of touched on it, but I I don't think we're giving enough respect or love to the quality that was shown uh sure the cameraman was more focused on the mountains at times but it was really good quality especially if you compare it to league one ontario and i think this is something that now that they're all under league one canada this is something that they could be looking at nationwide to get them on streaming platforms like this and get that consistent quality out there because that was a beautiful like it was a beautiful like a setup and it really worked well it's yeah, it was no, gorgeous no. and they need league one ontario does need to step it up because that kind of stuff, even if you have to move to the paid subscription that is the same as this one, which for our listeners, by the way, Home Team Live is actually offering you the opportunity to take 25% off of any of your memberships for League One BC. Just make sure to punch in FC13 podcast, all one word when signing up, and you will get your 25% off discount. Moving on, unfortunately, we have to, as much as we want to we wanna talk about it, is realistically the bad side of League One. NBC, the sanctions. Oh, no. Not good words. I missed the memo when they uh, changed the spelling of Canada to D-R-A-M-A. It's just <laughs> constant now. Holy crap. I had to spell See, that in my head there for a second. If anyone like, didn't pick up on that there, can't, uh, Michael said drama. 
<laughs> anyone's got a pen and paper, they're ready. I don't know if you've seen the demographic that we that we show to, but it's usually between the ages of 21 and 28. I don't think we need to specify every spelling. <laughs> Just in case. Anyway, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll take the lead on BC soccer sanctions since I'm the, the, the BC guy of the group. BC's governing body setup is um, there's a 50-50 voting power split between the adult leagues and the youth leagues. And um, there's currently 15,000 adult members within BC soccer. And there are... 95,000 youth members as well. So there's much more youth members than there is adult members. So you can see how a 50-50 split doesn't quite look right. It's been mandated from Canada Soccer that BC Soccer has to change how they do their votes to be more in line with how it's done in the rest of Canada. They failed to come to agreement. They were not able to get this change on. The adult leagues refused to... Refuse to budge, and this is where the threat's coming from. There's potential sanctions coming in, and this could be as severe as all all non-pro soccer, so that includes pro-am, will be suspended. Like they'll stop play. So that would include League One BC and U Sports as U Sports as well, as well as just like all your sort of local kids teams or like recreational adult teams. Anything that falls under the BC Soccer banner would be affected by this. There's, there's still a chance it's okay. Um, they've got until November when their AGM is, I believe, to come to a resolution. But this could potentially be something that these adult leagues are going to like kick their heels into. This is the setup they've had all the time. They're probably looking at it as, why do we need to change this? But like a lot of people are looking at this like, how do you have like 50% of the voting power with 15,000 members compared to 95,000? I think the problem with that is like, they're looking at, I don't want to say the value of youth leagues, but they're kind of looking at the, the youth leagues as maybe not part of the development. I'm sure there's more there that we're not, you know, we yeah, there's always more privy to in terms of information. You know, they if they're not willing to budge, yeah, it has, something has to happen. But the sh- a whole shutdown, it's going to screw the whole thing up. And especially with so much coming up and so much going on with in terms of the drama, like it, that's that's terrifying. I don't want to say overreach, but it could really sort of put people at odds with wanting to to jump on and invest money because that's that's a scary part. How is it supposed to attract like expansion teams into League One BC, for example? Hundred percent. I mean, obviously it's sorted out, but and at the end of the day, it's really the kids that suffer, right? It's the ones, it's the kids who don't really have a say at the moment. They're the ones suffering from it, and it's it's just the crap. Like every time you think we're done with Canada soccer news, something else comes out, and it's just something ridiculous like this, like. To me, it's just petty crap, honestly. And I, I could be way over my head saying that, but I don't want to stick with that. And it's just petty shit to me, and from what I've read, anyways. Petty and Canada go, you know, go together hand in hand. We, we, we know that. We know that well. I mean, Canada, moving on to better news. Instead of petty at home, we can be petty abroad. Boys, how are we doing with our transfer news? Our unfortunate European uh, expert has now lost his expert rights. Because he is now a Canadian resident, so I will turn to Michael for our new residential European. <laughs> it's okay. No, I'll take I'll take the reins. <laughs> um, yeah, no, with the Canada players, there's a lot of players under the watch right now. Like Richie Larray of Nottingham Forest have said that they are going to try to send them out on loan. Which go back what four episodes ago we called it here. You heard it here. Please don't. Please, please don't. <laughs> we said Richie Larray will be on loan. Where is he going to go on loan? A lot of people may be speculating back to the MLS. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. 
I don't believe he's leaving England. Nottingham Forest now being in the Premier League, they brought in this guy to help him get there. But at the same time, he only played like four or five games last season in Championship. He has no experience. You want this guy to get experience. I truly believe he will be loaned out to a Championship team. I'd be amazed if it's anywhere else. Other than that, the only other legitimate news is Hutchinson signing another one year in Bezektas. The club he plays for in Turkey. The team he plays for in Turkey. European expert, my ass. I have a stutter. Other than that, it does look like Kyle Lahren is signing with Nottingham Forest as well. Apparently, that is a done deal, which just not officially reported. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it seems we've suffered the commentator's curse. This episode was actually recorded prior to knowing that Laren has signed for Club Bruges. So Michael reporting that it was a done deal, turns out, wasn't a done deal. Which I absolutely love. So with that being said, now back to the show. Other than that, I don't know if there's much other going overseas, Paul. I think there's a certain striker from Lille who's been linked with a certain German club lately heavily. Yes, you are right. I missed that one. He's this the big is all, one, though. This is- He's he's been on every news article, every speculation, and at this point, I thought I thought it was a done deal for sure with Arsenal, and then I thought, okay, well it's gonna be a done deal with this one. And now I could just throw a dart at Europe and be like, Yeah, makes sense. Every single person right now seems to want him. I think with Bayern Munich it's all dependent on what happens with Robert Lewandowski Lewandowski. If they're able to make move him on, then that spot becomes available. And then I could see David coming in. Um yeah. I it's one of these ones where being selfish, you want players to in the ability to walk up to get all the game time as possible. I do think like he would be able to succeed at Bayern, but I don't know if he'd be able to go straight into that squad and if only a couple of months before the World Cup. I personally would rather like say for example, see him stay at Lille until the World Cup and then he gets his big move in January. But that's me being entirely selfish. David will want to play in the Champions League. The group stages are before the World Cup. And he'll want to get like a move done as quick as possible. So I can see why he'd want to get that. The best thing about Bayern would be also that Alfonso Davis is there. So you know we're, we're taking over, cap, we're taking over. We're gonna have Maple Munich. Get get that trademark right now before someone gets on it. I like that one. I like that Maple Munich. Um yeah, I, I agree with you. You want him playing, but I truly believe John David needs to get out of the low to uh, grow to the next level. I don't think Lil is going to do it for him. And, and I know he's had a great career there so far in the, the couple of years he's been there. But it's time to move on. And judging off Lil's last season, it, I think it's proof that he needs to move on. It's got to be against, it's got to be in a team. And I don't, I don't like the Bayern move because I just, I, you know, I'm not ragging on the German league, but I don't think the competition there is fair. Like going, if you went to Dortmund, I could be like, okay, sure. But because when you have that, that farmer league atmosphere where it's always the one team who wins. I don't think that's the best for development. It'd be nice to see him either move maybe to Spain. I think that could be a really good move. Move into the Premier League. That could be a really good move. And I'm not even going to name specifics on teams. Just that, I think, would do better for him because he needs, you know, it's just going to be almost a crapshoot if he if he ends up going. Because it'd be like playing, like them, Lil winning was a rarity. So I think to get that development and time the only benefit byron would have is their development program but he's beyond that it'd be really hard to take him and be like we're gonna put you in a development program because it's gonna be like but you just signed me for x amount of millions why yeah, would it's i not the same as it's not the same as davies davies went to byron as a teenager david's about 22 23 i think now he's much more further in his yeah. physical development so it, it'd yes, be hard. yeah it'd be hard to be like 
mold him into that way and get him to play the way you want to because you'd be you could just leave a bad taste in his mouth or it could just be that he stagnates and and you need that constant growth into into prime ship right you can't mold them to your way when they're of that age you just have to hope the way they play develops and improves and speaking of not being able to mold players toronto is not at all going to be molding their new italian takeout order to new in Canada, in Toronto, we made the world stage in terms of news from Gacido and Signy. I mess those names up every time, and I'm going to for the next three years, and that's fine. You, you think you think Toronto went well? We signed an Italian Italian international a couple of years ago. We ended up winning out of it, so let's just do it again. Might have been um, pretty much. Actually, to be fair, they know how to pick them, and Signy, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Signy, can't you? It's um, cast your mind back to the Euros last year. Um, if it wasn't for um, Patrick Shit's goal against Scotland, which still lives rent free in my head, then he probably has the goal, the goal of the tournament against Belgium. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Like he gets the ball just inside the box, really beautiful curling shot, makes it two 0 and that sends him into the semi-finals. And um, he's known as a goal scorer. He is a winger, but he can also play as a sort of attacking midfielder as well. He has an insane record for Napoli. He scored. Well over a hundred goals for them. He scored ten goals for Italy. He's like Napoli aren't an AC Milan or a Juventus when it comes to prestige and prestige. But he's won two cups with Napoli, which is pretty impressive outside of the eighties. They haven't really won all that much, so to have two cups um, is a real show of his legacy there. So um, getting him in Toronto, it's a real big fish move. It surprises me a bit that like, you probably know better than me, Andre. I was under the impression. This was kind of like a rebuild season for Toronto, and this strikes me as like a kind of like a win now sort of move. The way Toronto does things is, we learned our lesson after buying Defoe is to not really go off names, and it's not it's not Defoe was was a bad player per se, but it just didn't work. The attitude for Toronto doesn't work because we don't have that that starship kind of kind of placement. Whereas you see other players did from name recognition so well, like. Um, Schweinsteiger with Chicago and, and Ibrahimovic with Galaxy and you saw those those stars come in. Toronto always tries to have a lot of homegrown talent, a lot of local talent, and tries to build a lot of cohesive teams that immediately get plucked when they win anything and completely destroys us. We're bottom of the league again and we absolutely hate ourselves and we don't even know why we like this sport. But we don't tend to go for them. So getting and signing him and, and Crescido, which for me, makes so much sense because they, they have that sort of playing talent together. It, it's like they, they want to do a rebuild, but they want to do a rebuild in the right way. And they're looking at something that's going to work and gel because I think mixing them with Pozuelo will have a positive effect versus a negative effect. I just think the way their attitudes works. And instead of getting this star, I'm the star, I'm the star, they, they don't, despite of how renowned they are i don't feel that's the way that they present themselves like a bale is like ibrahimovic is where it's me 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 it's it's a lot of you no know, teams first like i want i want a trophy not a golden boot yeah i think the the important thing to look at the, these two players uh more more importantly it's Zenny and Zenya and Singni, whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I, whatever you want to call it. i screw it up every day. um that's all right. That will be our theme by the time we we're done with this podcast. <laughs> is these three idiots don't know how to fucking read. Uh, the, the important thing to point out with him is he's still somewhat in his prime coming out of it. He's only thirty-one years old, and I think that's important to look at. Um, Krasico, a little bit older, thirty-five. 
Um, and Sonia, though, being 31 and making his move to the MLS, he could have stayed in Syria. He could have went to anywhere in Europe if he really wanted to. The, the MLS is trying to get out of that retirement league persona they carry, right? And he is one player that came over this year that's really trying to make that movement. You also have um, Hector Herrera come over, 31 as well. Yeah. Christian Bale, 32. Um, and Christian there was another, um... <laughs> oh, I think he's already in LA. Yeah, yeah, Batman yeah, now yeah. plays for LAFC, ladies and gentlemen. I'm done. I'm quitting. <laughs> this is my last one. Gareth Bale. You think in the dressing room, shit. Bale's just like, you fucking amateurs. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Holy Everyone's, shit. Everyone shows Good up with like, a Batman mask and a toy. Like, can you sign? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my We're God, not losing God. the galaxy. <laughs> I'm going oh to golf God. and play for Wales. <laughs> Guys, Where it's too late. Of course. It's like, it's almost 11 o'clock here. Holy crap. Okay. Bring it back. <laughs> Bale. <laughs> I'm not even going to say his first name anymore. Uh, Jared Bale comes over as well. He's 32, turning 33 in a couple of days. It, it really does show the MLS is trying to shake that persona. They made some good movements for it. And it's really interesting to see how these guys do step into the league and really perform. And if they could carry over that, that Europe experience, I think something, uh, when you see players like this come over, you expect them to shine automatically. But the MLS is still their own uh, team. It's, they still have their, uh, the MLS is their own league. Uh, they still have their own teams and they still have their own persona. Sometimes it's hard to adapt to those, especially when you go overseas. It's hard to adapt to those at times. So it's really exciting to see if these guys bring that level to the league. It's extremely rough from a league's perspective. It's it's a very rough and tumble league, and a lot of these players come over with the impression that they can use a lot of fancy footwork, but it definitely isn't the case. Like they're getting absolutely bodied by these guys who are just ramming into them and like, oh, I'll take the card or I'll take the foul, and it's not it's not it's something that takes them a while to get used to. Like they don't they don't right off the ground. The only reason it worked for Giovenko is the guy is five three or five four so it's really easy to run around when no one can see you like he i think that the only benefit he had in that regard but everybody else it, it is there is that learning curve and if we're going to talk about more mls just one more quick note about mls and since we talked about canadian players uh lafc did release donnell henry uh to make room for shalini and to make room for bail so Henry Parr potentially being part of the Canadian World Cup squad. This is obviously very concerning for him. And where he finds a team, if he finds a team right now, that could be a hard thing for him. We'll say one saving grace is, at least because he's effectively going to be a... I, I could be entirely wrong with how MLS works, but he's effectively like a free agent right now, right? As far as we know, there's so a like lot he of... Kind of will have, he has like the, the choice. If there's teams interested in him, he, he's free to choose the best option for him. So at least there's I believe that. So. I, I don't know, and someone will correct us if we're wrong, because that's how this works. But I think if he is a free agent, he can be signed outside of the transfer season too. Yes, he can. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So in that regard, hopefully he gets one, because you know what? I don't want to see him down and out. And speaking of down and out, it's time for the penalty quiz out. It's my turn. We're, I swear, we're, we're one day we're going to make a jingle for this. Either that or we'll just make it so the person who's doing the questions has to do the jingle with their mouth. So usually this is a part where you get to sit back and relax. You've got no pressure on you. This is the fun part of doing this. But I don't know, man. I'm feeling a little bit under pressure. 
Andre, I believe, has got six points. Michael's got two. I've got one. I'm feeling a little bit like Algeria in the 1982 World Cup, watching <laughs> Germany play Austria, just feeling fucked no matter what happens here. <laughs> I feel like I want Andre to win, but like, I mean, we're doing this for the length of the CPL season. He can't be that far off. Oh, God, I feel like I can't win here. Uh, so what? basically, I'm going to take it out in these two. And um, the game... The game I'm going to make them go through is, and I picked a good one, ladies and gentlemen, Pacific versus Cavalry. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to watch this game at home, it finished 3-3, a very entertaining match. And I hope we got some very entertaining questions to boot. The format to cut the go over is there's five questions. Each question is, the number of the question is worth its points. So question three is worth three points. Question four is worth four points. Question one, one point, etc., etc. Are you guys ready? You got your pens? You got your paper? Ready? No. I got my news. Uh, have it? Yes, it's you, you and me both. Question one. So two players were sent off. One of them was David Norman Jr. True or false? Is he the son of David Norman, the former Canadian international and disgraced sports bear? Is he David Norman, the Canadian international son? True or false? Question two. Between this game and their last game, how many changes did Cavalry make in their lineup? So between this game and their last game, how many changes did Cavalry make in their lineup? Question three. Dos Santos scored Pacific's second goal and he did a pretty eccentric celebration afterwards. How many cartwheels did he do in his celebration? So how many cartwheels were in the celebration? Question four. At the very start of the broadcast, the announcers like give us context to where we were, Victoria, British Columbia, Vancouver Island. What adjective did he use to describe Vancouver Island at the start of the broadcast? What adjective did he use to describe Vancouver Island? And question five. As we alluded to, David Norman Jr. got sent off in this game. But before David Norman Jr. got sent off in this game, who was the last Cavalry player to receive a red card? Before this game, who was the last Cavalry player to receive a red card? And while these two are all over it, we're going to go to a quick break, and then I'm going to hear what they have to say for themselves. If you enjoy listening to the FC13 Podcast, why not head over to our Twitter at FC13 Podcast. It's FC number 13 Podcast. And tell us what you think. And while you're at it, hit subscribe so you never miss some of that sweet, sweet Canadian action. With that being said, now back to the show. And welcome back. So to give you a quick recap, the questions are... True or false, is David Norman Jr. the son of David Norman, the former Canadian international? How many changes did Cavalry make for this game? How many cartwheels did Dos Santos do after his goal? What adjective did the announcer use to describe Vancouver Island? And who was the last Cavalry player to be sent off before this game? All right, Michael, heads or tails? I'll take a good old tails. Tails. I will go first. All right, you want to yes. set a marker? You want to set a marker down on this one? 
<laughs> question. So the, the first the first questions are true or false. So like, if you guys are brave enough, at least one of you are going to get this right. True or That's false? True. Is David Norman David Norman Jr. the son of David Norman, the former Canadian international? Uh, I'm gonna go against my gut and say no. Andre, you know what? I'm gonna be brave enough because I'm fifty fifty winging it. I'm going true. It's true. What are the odds? Let's keep, well, 50-50. That's what, um, David Norman that's, asked, that's what David Norman asked himself at the Maryland Cup. <laughs> How's it going? Paul with the zingers today. Question, question two. So, Andre will go first for this one. How many changes did Cavalry make for this game? I uh, Honestly, this one was hard because um, I did a lot of the uh, like analytics and I really dug deep and I realized I don't have any idea and so I'm going three. Michael? I'll go with two. Michael gets it. No, I couldn't say this beforehand because it might have given a clue as to the first answer and I'm going to give you guys both a chance at this bonus question now. They made two changes and one of them was through a suspension. Which cavalry player was suspended? Andre, you go first, so that means, Michael, you have the advantage seeing as you got the question right. I have zero. I don't. I... Um, I don't have one. I don't got... I got to forfeit that one. Uh, I'm going to go with Yao. Mason Trafford. Mm, yeah, I was. Back. All right. So, back to Michael first. How many cartwheels did Dos Santos do after his goal? See, all I remember is his backflip. So I have to think about what the fuck led into his backflip. Uh, I'm going to go with one. Okay, Andre? Unfortunately, I have to also go with one because, again, he did the backflip. That's all I can remember. It's a smart move when you go second not to know just to say what the person says first says because no matter what, the score won't change all that much because that is the correct answer. So you both get three points for that one. Michael's on five, Andre's on four. Question four. Andre, you go first. What adjective did the announcer use to describe Vancouver Islands? That's that's the thing that kind of drove me nuts, and I kind of walked away screaming. Uh, so, Sunny? I, I, I went with um, beautiful. I mean, that's a good idea, because the license plates here say beautiful British Columbia, and it rains all the bloody time on the West Coast, so it wouldn't be sunny. But it's also not beautiful. It's scenic. scenic, scenic Vancouver Islands. He's not wrong. I've been there. If you know, do yourself a favor if you're listening to this. You know, been to Vancouver Islands. Go there. It is <laughs> stunning. And question five: Before this game, who was the last player to receive a red card for Cavalry? So, Michael, you go first for this one. Who was the last player to receive a red card for Cavalry? Is this a direct red, or is it like two yellows make a red, or either either way, like um, <laughs> like just the last player to receive any type of red card, either like two okay. yellows or the red. Got to be honest with you, Michael. I can't remember how he got the red. I, I appreciate you, Michael, at least trying to like help us both out in this one because <laughs> we all do work together a little bit in this game. There is two players that are sticking to me, and I, I don't think either one of them is that though. But I'm gonna go with um. Light, light. And Andre? So, I also had two players. I wrote down two players. I don't even think the first player wrote down ever even got a red. 
I'm going to say Borges. Escalante was my first guess, but I don't think he's ever even got a red. So Borges is my guess. The answer was Joseph Dechara, which means for the first time in FC 13 history, Andre has been dethroned. Um, Andre, you know what game we're covering, right? Can yeah. you tell me who Borges plays for? You know, you know what? Shut up. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know why that sticks in my head right now. Because, like, it's just sitting there. You all suck. I hate this game. I hate oh, this game, too. One. I hate this game because I'm now further rooted at the bottom. <laughs> I, I've, Andre's lost, but at what cost? <laughs> there's, there's now a gap. <laughs> Oh, what yeah. a win, ladies and gents. Look at that. Oh. Look at that. And what a game. After Pacific failed to score for God knows how long and Cavalry's been so sure at the back for the longest of time, we, it seems like out of nowhere, we got this free, free barn burner. And it very easily could be more. There was a lot of chances in this game. I think a lot of it came from just the fact that um, Pacific weren't able to get that goal very early on with that high press. It just... Both teams' game plans must have got thrown out the window as such because at that point, the entire game changes after about two minutes. And that's the thing. A lot of the goals' timing played into that too. Like, there's two goals just before half-time. There was a goal not that long after half-time. A lot of these goals would have the managers, you know, with their holes in their, their tactic clipboards and just throw them in the air. Just like, oh, no use for that anymore. The way it went to Pacific and then Calvary just came back with that glory rerun of three goals... Just to watch Pacific just take away any moment of happiness they had was just kind of exciting because it was like, oh, well, we've lost. We're two now. We're done. Oh, we're winning. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, I mean, we saw um, on the first goal from Daniels, that was a weird uh, give up that Calvary don't do. Like, they're a very sound team. They are a very uh, complete team. So that fuck up on their end was very surprising. But... Do you guys think that Norman Red was a red? Because I personally don't think it was. No. I didn't think I, Norman I watched did it back enough. and I still don't know how. Um, from my understanding, it's because he smacked the player that was on the ground. And that's when Manny Aparicio came in, pushed them. They both got yellows. But I don't think Norman did anything wrong. He, he was in a challenge with them. They both go down. Norman maybe taps them. To me, the way it looked was Norman was tapping him saying, hey, bud, like, Good battle, you know what? My bad, you're on the ground. And Manny Aparicio lost his shit over it. They both get red. To be, to be honest, like um, I feel like a lot of the time you see like players pushing and shoving, which is basically what Aparicio did. They don't get sent off. Like even that, I think was I can see why that's I, more of a red than Norman's, but it's still mm-hmm. a puzzling red card to see. It's an out of the norm red card to see Gavin. I felt like it was a little bit more aggressive than usual from Aparicio, though, because I mean. He went in there with, it wasn't just a shove either. Like, it looked like there was pure anger there. Like, he was pissed. And what's unfortunate about that, that was his return. He's been injured for the last five games. And you come in and get a red, and now you're gone for a couple more again. It's like, this guy was talking about his player of the season before his injury, and now he has to get that back, and then you do something like that? It's kind of crazy that they didn't even give them out more yellows, though, because they went straight for the reds, and there were a lot of... I mean, the camera angle didn't show as well as maybe it could have, but there was a lot of people getting in there really aggressively that I figured he was just going to be, like, walking up, like, throwing the cards out. But he just kind of, he talked to them and was like, all right, cool, gone, gone. Like, there was no other reprimands for anybody else. It was like a team brawl. 
Yeah, it always makes you think in those situations, is there stuff we're not seeing? Is there stuff we're not hearing? Maybe the ref yeah. hears something at that point, and they're like, you know what, both of you get the fuck out of here, you know? Like, I can't risk having you two on the field with your hot heads. That's a fair point. Yeah, that is a fair point. I know, because I did, he did confer with the other, like, linesmen, and I, I will give him credit. Any ref should confer with the linesman, especially in that scenario, regardless if you were right there. Like, if you were like, okay, well, I was only a couple steps away, I think every ref should be like, okay, like, l let me talk to them. Maybe they heard something, like, from a player closer to them before he ran in that would give context to it, right? I'm, I just, I'm just shocked that it was just two reds, done, and the game just kind of went on. Yeah, to bring it back to the to the, the action on the field as, field as such, I want to give, like, a quick shout-out to... Escalante, I feel like we don't talk about him and his delivery enough. Oh, Oli yeah. Bassa gets talked about a lot for his set-piece delivery and free kicks, and rightfully so. Escalante, so many of Cavalry's goals come from free kicks and dead ball situations. He is so important to that because it's almost always from his delivery. And like I feel like he doesn't I, get like the respect. He never really shows up in anyone's like team of the week or like CPL 11 or anything, but like he's there putting in dangerous balls that are creating goals every game. No, and I agree. I think he's extremely underrated. Um, I remember when I was writing the team of the weeks for 13-man sports, um, I had him in one of my lineups. And I had a couple comments saying, like, why is he there? I'm like, because he's fucking good. Like, I think the problem with him, and especially if you compare him to Bassett, is Calvary have so much players around that team. And Bassett, really, it's him and Tabla that connect every week. Where on Calvary, it's literally everyone else clicking, you know? It's just such a stacked team where it's hard to shine. Even though you're doing good work, you're not ne uh, necessarily always noticed. Unless you're the goal scorer, like all the assists, nobody really gives them the credit that they deserve. I think that's the problem. And you're, if, if he gets injured, Calvary's going to notice, and they're going to notice very quickly how like how poor off they're going to be without him there in the delivery system. It's it's paramount. It's super important. Giovenko had that same scenario with, with MLS is that a lot of it came from when you get into free kick situations, having that person who could put the ball where you need it, those headers were just crisp and clean. And if he gets injured, I, that's where I think everybody's going to notice. I don't want him to get injured. Like, I really don't. No. But if, if for too some many injuries. Reason, yeah, like, I do not want another ACL. But if he does happen to get injured, I, that's where I think everyone's going to go, okay, like, I get it now. Like, it's mm -hmm. now starting to make sense, right? He's also a player that drops back as well often, you know? Like, he, if, he, if they need more defense, Escalante is usually the first one back, or he's even making the ball, uh, bringing the ball off in that way. Like, he's just all over the pitch. Definitely an unsung hero on the team. A hundred percent the unsung hero. But, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, not not to cut it short in that way, I because I could honestly talk about this game a lot despite the fact that I lost I lost the game. I could talk about this game a lot. What is the game next week, Michael? It is your turn. The game we're going to be focused on is Canada versus Panama on Friday night. So that will be the next game of the week. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are wanting to play at home, which I don't know why you want to, but if you are wanting to play at home, that's going to be the game you want to tune into July 7th. It's going to be Canada, Canada Women's National Team versus Panama. And, and the great thing about that, that game is, I think oh, we're going to say the same thing, Andre. Yeah. I was going to say, you can find it on the CBC. Yeah, you can. Yeah, they finally, like, done something about the hosting rights, and, like, the CBC getting this is so... It's out of left field for a lot of people, but, like, I kind of love it. 
it's massive and it's important because it shows. I mean, I I'm not a hater on one soccer like a lot of people are. I wish it was on uh, regular cable to be exposed more. But this just shows that the potential is there for future matches. You even brought that up in the last episode we did, the the regular episode, that you have to be able to show up. But having that accessible is what's really going to make it available to show up and watch it. Just being able to turn into a channel, put it on, and, and, and watch it where you go. Because especially in some scenarios, having something that's only on an internet streaming service isn't always possible. Especially if you're in rural Canada. It's sometimes your internet's... Paul would know this. Not not really ideal. So being able to watch that sometimes just not possible. And if any internet providers are willing to give us sponsorships, please, please give me your ears. <laughs> please, Paul will not be doing the dealings up. because so I got us a sponsorship, guys. The only thing we're getting is I get a better internet connection. But I mean, if you really don't have opportunity to watch it, you can go back. That's the beauty about one soccer is that when you do have the ability to go back, you can rewatch the games. And you don't have to watch them live. Or you could do yourself a favor and head on over to 13th Man Sports and check out some of the articles that both Paul and Michael put out. They're put out regularly throughout the week, and they cover a large variety of all your football needs that we don't talk about here in the podcast. It's better written, and you don't have to listen to me. So there's really nothing to lose when you think about it. But for us, I think that's going to be all of it. We've really dragged this on probably longer than we needed to. So I think we're going to have to call it here, boys. From everyone at the FC 13 podcast and 13th man sports. We thank you for jumping in and joining us and really look forward to talking to you next week. And hopefully you get a chance to watch that game. So you can scream at everything over this stupid game, just like I did in the break. Thanks so much for joining us guys. Make sure to check us out on FC 13 podcast on Twitter, Michael. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to call me Michael. And I'm Paul McNulty 96 on Instagram. I'm Andre McRae at the Andre McRae. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Have a great week. <laughs>